Helios Roared, a novel by Mark Bethay, read by the author. Part 1. Plan for what is difficult when it is easy. Do what is great while it is small. Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Prologue. Of Blue Sapphires. Isabel Porter looked at the young man's face slowly and carefully, remembering all the things she had loved about him. She found it bothersome that her mind was wandering to these thoughts at a time like this. The lapse in mental discipline perturbed her. But in the end, she was in no hurry to do what she needed to do, so she allowed herself to reminisce. Her view was so clear and so close that she could actually make out the place where his dimples appeared whenever he smirked. She could see how bright his eyes were, and now, in the late morning sun, they sparkled like brilliant blue sapphires. There was no arguing the fact that he was gorgeous, but that's not why she fell in love with him. At least, that's what she told herself. There was, in fact, something deeper, something darker, something more that drew her to him six months earlier. And now, she realized that the very darkness that drew her to him would forever separate them. She drew in a long, luxurious breath through her nostrils and began to exhale slowly through her mouth. The air was still fresh with the sweet aroma of honeysuckle, and somewhere above her, a hummingbird was hovering. She could hear her wings beating furiously through the air. The fact that she could hear the hummingbird was a good sign. It meant that her focus was keen. As long as her senses were sharp, she could let her mind go back to that day six months ago. She remembered the day very well. She had been in town with her father, who was on one of his resupply missions, as he called his rare forays into town. Wanting to avoid the stares, snickers, and snide comments that he always drew, she had stopped by the local Starbucks to get a latte. She would meet up with him later in the day. Since her father homeschooled her and rarely ventured into town, she didn't really have any friends to speak of. But Rosie, a barrister at Starbucks, was always friendly to her. Izzy, as she liked to be called, was disappointed that she saw that Rosie wasn't working. Instead, she saw the back of a guy with longish blonde hair and wide shoulders. When he turned around to take her order, she couldn't help but gasp. He was gorgeous. What can I get for you? he asked with a smirk. Taz Horner looked back at Izzy and the smirk turned into a full-blown smile. The girl he saw was striking. Not quite beautiful, but very attractive. She had long reddish-brown hair, a tanned complexion, and a killer smile. She seemed to be strong, both physically and mentally. What really got him going, though, were her eyes. There was something in her deep green eyes that made her appear both sexy and dangerous. Although she was obviously surprised, 
Her gaze never ventured from his eyes, and she didn't blink. Grande caramel latte, please, she said. Taz broke eye contact to ring up the drink and then looked back at her with his Sharpie pen in hand to write her name on the cup. And your name? Izzy was blushing, a fact that wasn't lost on Taz. Izzy, what's yours? The question caught Taz off guard. He glanced down at his chest, momentarily thinking that he had forgotten his name tag. He hadn't. It was in place and clearly displayed. What was she up to? Was she stupid, he wondered, or just messing with him? Taz, he finally answered. Just like my name tag says, he added, gesturing to his chest. When she held out her hand to shake hands, he was again taken by surprise. Nobody did that. What was she up to, he wondered, almost out loud. He finally shifted the pen from his right hand and shook her hand. Nice to meet you was all he could manage. You too, she said, still looking him in the eye. She released his hand, pulled out a $5 bill from her pocket, and handed it to him. Then she lowered her eyes and walked to the end of the counter to wait for her drink. He was about to say something, but he was too flustered. He had forgotten her name. As she walked, she pulled out her iPod and pushed the earbuds into her ears. She would listen to Adele's newest album, as she imagined most 15-year-old girls would do as they sipped coffee at Starbucks. She frowned when she realized that she didn't really know any other 15-year-old girls, so she had no idea if they'd be listening to Adele. This thought made her acutely aware that she didn't know any 15-year-old guys either. This realization was what compelled her to look back at Taz and smile. Her smile pissed him off. She was jerking him around, and he didn't like it. As he was making her drink, he was about to write her off as a stuck-up little bitch, like the ones that came in from the high school and treated him like a common house servant. It had taken him six months working at Starbucks to begin to openly resent bitches like that. He became overly quick to judge, and equally quick to resent. The girl in front of him whose name he still could not remember, was about to go into the vapid cheerleader category when she smiled at him. Now he didn't know what category to put her in. He smirked at her. Izzy thought it was really weird that her smile elicited no more than a smirk from him. What the hell was that? He looked older than, he wa than she was by a couple of years, which would make him 17 or 18. She frowned again as she thought about it. A 17 or 18-year-old should be able to manage more than a smirk at her. Maybe he was retarded. That would explain why he was working at a Starbucks at 11 a.m. on a school day. She decided to give him the extra year and assume that he was a retard. That logic worked. So he was 18, dropped out of high school because of his mental disability, and was working in the only place that would hire him, Americans with Disabilities Act and all. She smiled at the thought. When her drink was ready, Taz was again unsteady. Grande caramel latte, he said. It was totally unnecessary since Izzy was the only person in the store, but he didn't care. Forgot my name, huh, Taz, she said with a smile. She was looking him right in the eye.
No, he stammered, breaking eye contact and looking at the floor behind the bar. And he's a liar, she thought. What a waste. He was cute, but he wouldn't be worth the effort, she decided. She grabbed her cup and walked to a table, turning the volume up as she went. She was a little bummed because now she would have to find something to occupy the next few hours, totally alone. She'd been hoping for at least an interesting conversation, maybe some harmless flirting. But it wasn't to be. Not today, anyway. As she sat down, her mood began to sour. What a wasted day this was turning out to be. To her surprise, the coffee was actually good. It was unseasonably warm for January, but it was still a bit chilly. The coffee warmed Izzy nicely. She pulled out her journal and took out her pen. Nothing much had happened in the three days since she'd made her last entry, but the retarded 18-year-old barrister would be good for a paragraph or two. She flipped to a blank page and began to write. Do 18-year-old retards make the best coffee, the entry began. She chuckled and started to write. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw Taz approaching her table. She closed the journal and looked up at him with a totally indifferent expression. She rolled her eyes when she was sure that he was close enough to notice. He continued towards her and stopped. You were right, you know, he started. Right about what? I forgot your name. Yeah, you did. Sorry, she said. She looked at him for a moment and then returned to her indifferent facial expression. She gave a little sigh. It's okay. I've been forgotten by better-looking guys than you before. She picked up her iPod and changed the song, ignoring him. But he didn't move. She looked up and saw that he was smiling. She removed her earbuds. Something else? she asked. So you think I'm good-looking? Now it was her turn to be surprised. Um, it's okay. I've been mind-fucked by better-looking girls than you before. Really? Now it was her turn to smile. Yeah. And? And what? And where does that leave us, she asked without a hint of sarcasm. I'm not sure. I was kind of wondering why you weren't in school. Did you kind of realize that it's probably none of your business? I did kind of realize that. And you asked me about it anyway? Looks that way. Maybe I was wondering the same thing about you. But you didn't think to ask me about it? No. I thought about asking you about it, but I didn't want to offend you or be politically incorrect, she said, again, keeping her innate sarcasm at bay. He furrowed his brow. Politically incorrect? Yeah. I thought you might be retarded. I, I'm sorry, mentally disabled. Seriously? He was not happy. Is that not the right term? Slow? Mentally handicapped? Is that better? Just because I didn't remember your name? He was incredulous. No, because when I smiled at you, you just smirked back. Who does that? I smirked? Yeah. You smirked. And why would you care? I don't know. Maybe I wanted to flirt with you. 
This was not going the way he had imagined. He was caught off guard again. Well? Well, did you? Did I what? I don't know. Never mind. Seriously? Seriously what? That's the best you can do? The best I could do at what? Never mind, she said, and she started putting her earbuds back in. Can we just start over, he begged. Why? He blushed. Because I thought you were interesting and cute, and I wanted to talk to you. You thought? You mean I'm no longer interesting or cute? That's not what I meant. You still are. I just... I just messed this up. I want a do-over. She looked up at him. In his nervousness, she noticed a profound innocence about him. His guard was down. He was vulnerable. But he was still there, still trying. Then she caught his eyes again. They were sparkling blue. They reminded her of her grandmother's blue sapphire ring. She smiled. Hi, I'm Isabel. Izzy to my friends. She held out her hand. He broke out into the most adorable smile she had ever seen. Hi, Izzy. I'm Taz. Very nice to meet you. He shook her hand. You have a very nice smile, she complimented. So do you. Thanks. Do you want to sit down for a minute? He sat down and they talked. In fact, Thanks to the lack of customers, they talked for over an hour that day. They laughed at the stuck-up high school bitches and talked about their favorite artists. He turned her on to a few of his favorite musicians, and she was pleasantly surprised that his favorite bands weren't the heavy metal screamers or anarchists. They were both surprised, in fact, at how much they had in common. She still thought there was something dangerous about him. But every time he smiled which was a lot, his eyes came to life with that amazing, sparkling light show. That light show had brought her a lot of joys in the days since that first meeting at Starbucks. But today, it brought no such joy. She realized that it never would again. Too bad, she thought, as she returned her focus to the task at hand. She looked down at his hands and saw a piece of paper. She briefly hoped that it wasn't the map, but she knew it was. He's got the map, she said softly. I see it, came the whispered reply. Wind, two clicks left. Two clicks left, she replied. You have the sheriff? I got him. If he goes for the map, I'll take him. Maybe a warning shot to get him back to his car? You sure? Let's not open that can of worms unless we absolutely have to. Two clicks left. Got it, Izzy replied as she reached up to the high power scope to adjust the dial. They were just over a thousand yards away from Taz and Sheriff Parker. It would be a long shot, but one that she had made before. She wouldn't miss today. Her Barrett M107A1 sniper rifle would be devastating at this range. It's the same 50 caliber sniper rifle that was credited with a kill shot from over two miles in Afghanistan. She could have used a smaller rifle to make the shot, but she wanted to make sure that she made an impact on the sheriff. 
It was not her intent to kill the sheriff. Not today, anyway. The situation they now faced was a worst-case scenario. Taz showing up with the map and pointing out the various defenses, storage areas, and other key areas of the compound to the sheriff. They would still be able to defend the compound, but they would be compromised and could face a much higher casualty rate than what they had planned and provisioned for. Taz left her no choice but to deal with it decisively and in a manner that would not be soon forgotten by the sheriff. Sheriff's walking over to him, came the voice from beside her. I know. He's unfolding the map. Shh, she whispered. She sighted her target again, slowed her breathing, and slowly blinked. The reticle centered on Taz's chest. She noticed that his shirt was unbuttoned. She started to recall the nights she slept cuddled up to that chest, listening to his heartbeat, smiling and feeling safe but she quickly snapped back to her current reality. She flashed on his betrayal and pushed that out of her head just as fast. No emotions of any kind were allowed. Not now. While focusing intently on the reticle and the dimple where his pectoral muscles separated at the top of his diaphragm, she noticed his hands unfolding the map. God damn him, she muttered. She took one more breath which she held for a beat before starting to exhale through her mouth. She could hear her heartbeat, which always meant that she was ready. As she felt her wrist tighten around the grip of the rifle before gently squeezing the trigger, she decided to raise her aim point to the top of his sternum, just below his Adam's apple. Technically, it would still be a center of mass aim point, all but guaranteeing a clean kill. But an impact in this particular spot, with this particular weapon, would ensure that he would be decapitated. She smiled slightly when she realized that at this range, the 50 caliber bullet would more likely rip the entire top of his body off, maybe down to his belly button. More importantly, the impact would blow a gruesome cloud of blood, bone, gristle, and guts all over the sheriff. This would certainly ensure the grisly memory that she wanted etched into the sheriff's mind. As the sheriff got closer, she saw something odd. Taz seemed to look directly at her and smile. Of course, there was no way he could see her. She was well camouflaged and over a thousand yards away. But still, she could swear he was looking at her, smiling. Did he just wink? You got the map? she asked. I got it. Goodbye, Taz, she whispered. She exhaled the last of her breath and squeezed her fingers together as if squeezing a foam ball. When the trigger engaged, the rifle bucked back into her shoulder firmly, taking her eyes off the target for a split second. But the discipline instilled by Ernie and her father kicked in, and her eyes were back on her target in time to see the cloud of red spray explode where Taz had been only a split second earlier. That's a kill, came the smooth, calming voice of her spotter. You got the map? Got it. Three feet left, four back. I'm on the sheriff. He's moving right, moving right, looking, looking, moving right, 
He sees the map. He stopped. I'm on him, came the voice. Stay on the map, please. I got the sheriff. Okay, I'm on the map. Sheriff is looking at it. I think he needs a warning shot. Let it fly. Shots away, as he replied as she squeezed the trigger again. Again, the rifle bucked back into her shoulder as the massive bullet left the silenced muzzle at 2,800 feet per second. Again, she picked up her aim point shortly after and was able to see the bullet impact the ground one foot to the left of the sheriff's feet, tearing up a huge crater and shooting dirt and debris upwards to over six feet. The shot had its desired effect. The sheriff was now running the remaining ten feet back to his car. Sheriff's bugging out, she said. She focused the reticle on his chest through the windshield and thought about letting another shot loose. But as the car spun to life, she thought better of it and closed her eyes. You want me to get the map? The voice beside her asked. No, I'll get it. Let's wait 30 minutes to make sure they were alone. She wasn't looking forward to the next half hour, but now is not the time to be sloppy. If Taz and the sheriff weren't alone, she would be in the open and in serious danger. No, they would bide their time, stand or cover, and wait. Nice shot. She closed her eyes again and sighed. Thanks. She slowly scanned the area surrounding Taz's corpse with her scope and then looked down at her watch. It was 11.15 a.m. It was about the same time six months ago when Taz had approached her table at Starbucks. About the same time he had smiled and she noticed how brightly his blue eyes sparkled. She pushed that thought aside and thought about her grandmother's blue sapphire ring. It was the only blue sapphire that she would ever care about again.